Hey, how are you going? Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for clicking on through and wanting to listen to a podcast called Living with Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. This podcast is made in conjunction with the amazing team at Endometriosis Australia, who I'm an ambassador for. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs, and in this episode, going to catch up with an amazing Aussie who is doing fantastic things for those women who really need it the most. You may have heard of Share the Dignity. You might have seen it when you've gone to the shops. Rochelle Courtney is the brains behind it. She also is an endo warrior and she's going to share her story in this episode. Enjoy. So excited to be catching up with an incredible Aussie right now on the line. Hello, Rochelle Courtney. Hello, hello. Now, you are the founder of Share the Dignity. We will be talking about that. And you also are an endo warrior. An endo warrior, an endo queen, I'm going to say. But I have now just had a full hysterectomy and will no longer have to deal with those problems. I actually open up another can of other worms for another lot of problems though, right? Wow. Well, we're going to talk about your endo journey a little bit later on the podcast. But first up, I would love to know about Share the Dignity. It is something that I've uh, you know, seen at the supermarkets and I always make sure that I go and, and drop off some sanitary products. But tell me, how did this whole idea come about? Yeah, look, I think it's um, the fact that I was reading an article back in March 2015 that talked about how women who were experiencing homelessness and there were 48,000 of them didn't have somewhere safe to call home but then I was reading that they didn't have access to sanitary items and were having to use socks and newspaper and wadded up toilet paper. I was completely astounded by that. It is something that I'd never really given thought to which is quite ironic because I'd suffered so badly with my periods my whole life. Even I remember being a, a rep for Puma and I'd be on the road and I would have to travel from Rockhampton to Emerald. Now, it was a good two-hour drive and then Emerald back to Gladstone. I would have to sit on a towel. I would have a pad. I would have a tampon, but I'd still have to sit on a towel because I wouldn't pull up at a, at a petrol station and go to the toilet. I'd wait till we got to a hotel, to my hotel, because that's how bad my periods were. So I couldn't actually imagine not having access to the very basic of essentials because to me just having a shower the amount of underwear and clothes that had been ruined over the years for me was extraordinary right I couldn't imagine having to steal socks out of a laundry mat to deal with my periods I just found it barbaric even to this day I find it barbaric it, it is and when I think back to when I first got my period as well you it would be like that where you would try and create something out of a towel out of a sock because you you may not have had that easy access. And when you mention those people who are going through a really hard time, they're struggling, they're homeless, they would be having to deal with that every single time. Yeah. And, you know, I couldn't imagine not whether you'd ever have to choose between buying food for your children or buying sanitary items. We all know as parents, we would buy the food for our children, Mm. right? So, I, you know, I then started to hear stories about women and the choices that they were having to make, which I just found extraordinary. So I literally started the charity, asked, I was a personal trainer back then. I asked all of my clients to bring me a packet of sanitary items for every wine they'd had that month. I did all right. I had about 40 clients. I ended up with about 450 packets of pads or tampons. I hope they didn't have that many wines, but... (laughs) They were all, people were, women especially, were, oh, my God, I've never thought of that. Mm. How does that happen here in Australia? So Shared Dignity was born. And so it's grown into 
This huge organisation with over 5,000 volunteers providing multiple initiatives aimed at giving dignity to those women who need it the most. So you go and collect all these products and then where 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 do they go to? Yeah, so in March and in August, our collection boxes go out in every Woolworths store around Australia, politicians' office, hairdressing salons, thousands of places that register to be collection points. And for me, that's really important because they share our mission to eradicate period poverty here in Australia. Mm. We have these amazing volunteers that go in, pick them up, count them, log them, and then we work with around 3,500 charities around Australia. So we give them directly to whether that be Red Cross, Night Ninjas, domestic violence services, homelessness services, just people in need, those charities that are already on the front looking after the women and girls that we help. It's such an amazing cause. And I know every single time that I go and buy pads or tampons, now I will try and make the effort to buy an extra one. And then when you do those collections, I'll go and drop it, uh, put it in my local Woolies and just know that it's going to go to someone who needs it more than I do. Oh, absolutely. I think that I remember right at the beginning going, I hope people never walk the sanitary aisles ever the same again. Mm. Because before we never knew that there were people out there that couldn't afford to have them. Because one, no one talks about periods in the first place. And then two, people don't talk about the fact that they can't afford them. Well, that's the thing too. They're so freaking expensive. And it's interesting you mentioned driving from Emerald to, was it Roma? Going on a road trip, um, you know, a long, a long road Emerald trip. Emerald to Gladstone. Emerald yeah. to Gladstone. That's a road trip. Not wanting to stop at the service station. I know I have stopped at service stations in the past and they will charge, you know, 10 to $12 just for a small mm-hmm. box of tampons. And I think that is ludicrous because that, yeah, that's not walking. how much you have to pay normally at the supermarket. No, and, you know, only um, yesterday I got a message on our Facebook page, to a picture of, a $13 packet of pads in a remote Indigenous community. And they don't have a choice. So could you imagine being, you know, at one stage I had severe periods. I had two teenage daughters and a stepdaughter and a niece that lived with me. My, once a month it was cost me $100 in just pads and tampons. Imagine if you didn't have that. Like $100 is $100. That's somebody's groceries or their fuel. I fueled my car up yesterday. They cost me $78. <laughs> That's ridiculous. How do we afford the very basic of essentials Mm, when electricity's gone through the roof, fuel's gone through the roof, price of food? Under over 5 million Australians now live below the poverty line. Mm. And we just finished a um, bloody big survey, which is now the biggest body of data that the world has ever seen on menstruation. So we had 125,205 respondents in Australia respond to it. Do you know that 24% of them said that they have actually not being able to afford sanitary items through their life. 24%. Yes. That stat blows my mind. I can't believe it's that big. So one in in four of us. Yes, absolutely. And that, you know, what astounds me with that is that the people who probably completed that survey are not our drought-stricken farming communities, are not our remote Indigenous communities. So what what is that number? If everybody was to do that, it is extraordinary. Completely blew my mind. Something but really. Forty-eight percent of women also said that they've left a pad or a tampon in longer because they needed to stretch the dollar of the pad and the tampon, which is not good for your body at all. 
at all. But, you know, you cannot even go to the health minister or any health department in Australia and find out how many women turned up as um, for toxic shock syndrome. What are any mm. of those sort of stats in Australia? We just don't have it. It's heartbreaking. I can't believe that. Um, my mind is blown with that stat that you just shared. Mm. Mm, it is. But you can also end up in hospital with, you can have a, had a car accident and broken an arm and you can get your period the next day and you can get a CAT scan you can get drugs, but you can't get a pad from some public hospitals. That's not acceptable here in Australia either. So you're going to be in mid-February launching a big petition, which you're taking to the government, and it is around that. What exactly is it? It's Pad Up Public Health. We are asking our federal um, parliament to mandate that there is access to sanitary items in public hospitals, in all public hospitals in Australia. In um, the UK, is the only other country to have mandated this. Um, but, you know, Australia is not a third world country. Mm-hmm. And pads, and we're not even asking them to supply tampons. We're just saying pad up public health. Supply pads. If somebody needs a pad, they should have access to it. ShareTheDignity.org.au will be the place to keep an eye out for that petition. I'm pretty sure that Federal Minister uh, for Health, Greg Hunt, who is about to finish up He's done so much work for the endometriosis community. Hopefully he um, puts this into place as well before he does finish up. I hope it's his farewell gift. He very much, you know, he's done some great work. He also was very, um, a big part of removing the tampon tax when Mm. we were, we did a federal petition in 2018. So, you know, he has done some great work for women in this space. Let this be his parting gift. When you you talk about all of the achievements that you've done with Share the Dignity over the years, you've also been battling the debilitating disease that is endometriosis and you have uh, just had the hysterectomy done. Tell us, Endo, when were you first introduced to that fun word? Oh, I would have to say I was probably 15 when I realised that my period was debilitating. It stopped me from being able to go to school. I would be crippled in pain. I would be a different colour. But no one ever talked about periods, so I didn't know it. I actually didn't even know until, even I think back now, like who's 21 years old as a sales rep sitting on a towel and you don't think that that's abnormal, that you can't go that long two hours without being able to sufficiently deal with your period with a pad and tampon? Just it was really that I was trying to fall pregnant. I got married when I was 21. I was 25 when I went three years without being able to fall pregnant. And I just want, I wanted to be a mum. And I went to the doctor and he did an exploratory and I was covered in endometriosis. And that was probably my first operation of what ended up being probably nine operations over the, over the last 25 years. Nine. Dealing the deal with my um hysterectomy three months ago but I had a partial hysterectomy two years before that thinking that that would solve the problems but you know I I didn't just have endometriosis I had massive cysts that would burst and you know they're just debilitating and I remember having my meeting with I had a meeting with the new CEO of um, endometriosis I had a light pink dress on and I was just about to meet with her and I cyst had me doubled over and all over my dress and I just said, this is the end. This Mm. is the end. And within a week I was booked in to have my hysterectomy. I can tell you that that also was facilitating. That was something that I never expected to be so laid off with. Uh, Six weeks, seven weeks before I had any energy back into me, was that was actually 
and I thought I was tough after being through all of those operations. Mm. I thought I'd be able to be back on my feet within two weeks after my hysterectomy, three weeks, maybe four weeks, but seven weeks before I felt like I was anywhere near myself. Wow. How are you feeling now? Because it's been just three months now. Three months. Yeah, which means I can start to, as you said, go back to doing some exercise without finding my pelvic floor drop to the ground. Mm. But also the fact that, um, yeah, the energy levels are really low. I went into a directly straight into um, menopause, mm. which has been, you know, a whole, this is a whole nother world that no one ever talks about. <laughs> so... You know, there's hot flushes, there's lacks of sleeping. It's just, it's your hormones are all over the place. It is what it is. And what I know is that you're really lucky to be a bloke. Yeah. Men have got it so, so easy. Now let's so just easy. rewind back to that first exploratory surgery. Uh, you wake mm -hmm. up post-surgery and the doctor tells you what they found inside your body. Where did they find the endometriosis? You know, I can't even remember. All I remember was that it was another year before, like, before I fell pregnant. And then, um, and so that was really tough. That I think the endometriosis in the first instance had grown outside, mm -hmm. and I had some problems there. But and then I think I had, and then I had my second baby. Only I was only my first baby was only about seven months old when I found out I was pregnant the second time, wow. which was incredible. But then it was like, I think I had five years without having any problems. And then after that, I think I had a surgery nearly every second year after that. So, wow. And why did you just, keep, why did you keep going back for the surgeries? Was it because the cysts just continued to pop up and they needed to remove them? Yeah. Yeah. As well as the endometriosis kept growing and it wasn't mm. like people were saying, oh, you can get an ablation and it'll be okay. But mine just kept growing back. Wow. It was Bigger and better. <laughs> an aggressive form. It was. And, you know, um, a, a little while ago I did share the a piece about, um, and it was probably ignorant, it was about um, cancer versus the endometriosis. And it wasn't a battle of which one. It just means that when people have cancer people are always like oh I'm really sorry is there anything I can do yet when I had endometriosis I was out of work two to three days every single month it was debilitating and when you've got small kids no one else is going to look after them just because you've got a period yeah that's a really interesting point that you raised there I suppose endo is just dealt with like oh that's women's business and you just yeah. go about and you do what you do and the more the awareness that is created in these conversations that we're unable to have with bosses, there's a, a bit more understanding around, okay, so-and-so is not going to be at work today because they're having a flare-up and we're just going to give them the time to make them feel better. Yeah, that wasn't an option. But I will even say now, it's not even an option when men, most men are not educated around periods and most men are our bosses, right? Mm. So how do... How do how are they supposed to understand or have an understanding if we're not teaching them about periods when they're students, when they're um, becoming employers? Like, it's just not discussed. No. Like, it magically doesn't actually even exist. No. And then all of a sudden it becomes a problem. And next minute... Absolutely. You're getting a tap on the shoulder to say, hey, it's time to go. You're not going to work here anymore. Yeah. Or you, you're really starting to lose really good staff. I, I, I remember reading... Not very long ago, the Victorian Women's Trust put out a paper on menopause and what that looks like in the workplace. And 26% of women actually resign when they get to menopause because they don't feel that they can do their job properly. Mm. Now, women at the age of 50 are just hitting their prime in 
having the skill sets to be able to do the job properly, right? Don't we just need to be better bosses and better people to equip what they need? I absolutely agree with you there. How would you describe, um, you know, it, it, you've been through this debilitating pain and every single endo warrior is different, but how would you describe yours? Because I think when you go through and like I sometimes tell my, my, my husband, Jamie, he'll say, what does it feel like? I'm like, well, I imagine it's like when guys get hit in the nuts with a cricket ball, but we've mm. constantly got it for a couple of days or we'll just have these sudden bursts where it'll feel like someone's stabbing you in the nuts. Yeah, look, for me, I always found because I had constant cysts and multiple sizes all the time, I always felt like I had that, like an appendicitis all the time. Mm. Flare up, go away, but it was always kind of tender. So this is the first time for 30 years where I actually don't feel like that pain is constantly either there or about to come back. So, um, but endo, endo, that once a month pain when your insides are being ripped out. I, I don't even, I couldn't even compare it to anything actually, to be honest. When you were going through those flare-ups, did you have anything that would bring some sort of relief like a heat pack? Or... Yeah, I think the heat, the heat packs for me were probably the thing, but just curling up in a ball to try to find a place that was comfortable for me. And that was not sitting at work in an office desk or driving around somewhere. It was literally curling in a ball, trying to keep a heat pack where you needed it. And you know what? We live in Brisbane. It's like 30 degrees most of the time. That is not a comfortable bloody thing. No, not at all. I have a feeling the heat actually can flare up endometriosis. That's what it feels like sometimes on a hot day with the humidity. I did find that the fitter and stronger I was, my endo was not as bad. Mm. So if I look, if I looked after myself religiously, then it wasn't. It didn't tend to be as bad. But, but it's a matter of getting that energy to be able to exercise yeah. in the first place. Week. So it's I catch twenty two for one week. One week out of the month, anyway, because I bled so badly. Yeah, I just couldn't exercise. In the past three months, well, probably it's it's been in the past couple of weeks now. Do you feel like you've gotten your life back after having the hysterectomy? Um, I, absolutely. I feel like I'm really looking forward to a life that doesn't involve having to check whether I've had birth cysts. I don't have that pain anymore. It's now just managing um, HRT and trying to find a good balance between, you know, what does menopause look like now <laughs> for me? Yeah. Which is just ridiculous. You think you'd get it out and then that would be the end and you think, you know, you want to sing from the rooftop that one problem is, has gone, but really you've replaced it with another. Yeah. There's another hurdle Not you've got to get over. People, so please know that it's nowhere near as debilitating. Yeah. Um, but for some women, menopause is exceptionally damaging for their mental health as well. Mm. Every single endo warrior is different and hysterectomy may be the right thing for you. Chat to your doctor about it. A hysterectomy is not the cure for endometriosis. That's one thing that we do need to mention. Well, it's been absolutely amazing talking to you, Rochelle, around your endo journey. You have been through so much yourself. It's great to hear that you're feeling good right now, that you've recovered. And I am. I'm looking forward to getting back into feeling like me every day. I bet. And I'm looking forward to seeing, well, a lot of talk um, in Parliament to hopefully get this petition through. Um, with the, are you ready to, what, what, what was the petition called again? Pad up public health. 
Pad Up Public Health. And if anyone would like to donate as well, share the dignity au. The smallest amount of money can help someone who really needs it at the moment. And as I said, next time you go to the shops, you buy your sanitary pads, your tampons, grab some extra, stock them up at home and get ready to, to drop them in when there's the big drive. March and August. Rochelle, thank you so much. No, thank you so much for all you do for all of the women who suffer from endometriosis. Thank you so much again to Rochelle. Super busy, but able to get some time with her to talk uh, all things endometriosis and, of course, about Share the Dignity, which is a fantastic cause. You can get behind that. And also, highly recommend you get behind Endometriosis Australia's March into Yellow. You can become an endo superstar fundraiser today. For more info on how you can help out the one in nine who are affected by this debilitating disease, get to endometriosisaustralia.org. That place is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to everything endometriosis. Now, if you've enjoyed this podcast, Living With Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis, there is many other episodes you can catch up on. Make sure you give us a like, leave us a review, because by doing that, it lets others know that this podcast exists and we can continue the most important conversation around spreading awareness for endometriosis. Stay safe, and I look forward to sharing another episode with you soon. Bye.